From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we dive into award season. The Golden Globes are in the books, Oscar nominations are out, and the Grammys are around the corner. So it's time for us to hit the red carpet and hand out some hardware of our own in our second annual Golden Towers Awards, recognizing great achievements in sports and more during 2022. We will start the night welcoming the luminaries to the From the Land Golden Towers pre-show red carpet. And look who it is, the stars of From the Land, the co-hosts, Phil Denko and Chuck Rambolo, and the ultimate guest, Matt Miller. Phil, you are brilliant on the show. Great to see you tonight. Are you surprised to be here? I am. I'm just, I'm really thankful to be here, to be honest. Chuck, we know how much you love the red carpet. Who did your shoes for tonight? Uh, I'm not wearing any shoes right <laughs> now, so no one. Well, proof that you can take the kid out of Erie, but you can't take Erie <laughs> out of the kid. Miller, welcome to your first Golden Towers Awards. What star of From the Land are you looking forward to meeting tonight? I'm looking forward. <laughs> off and running also Tumblr. <laughs> yeah that's what you meant right yeah <laughs> i've heard rumors he exists chuck we have heard that you're actually a pretty big fan of the cleveland cavaliers since you were a kid is that true very yeah so the Cavs played four games this week they lost to the knicks in new york dominated a young, rebuilding Houston team, let one slip away against the Thunder in Oklahoma City, and torched a very shorthanded Clippers team tonight. They finished the week 31-21, and 21, still in fifth in the East. How would you compare that week to, say, a bottle of wine like Even Stevens' Unknown Torrance, <laughs> which some say has a very light nose, but with an explosion of delightful citric acid? Well, I don't have a very light nose, and it has exploded a few times. One thanks to Jason Gerber, our host here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that might be the perfect wine for this week, even Steven. So I don't think you came up with a better one, better choice. Phil, what did you think about the week for the Cavs? I think the week, unfortunately, went exactly as we predicted. I think I even said they'd lose to my shitty side piece, and they did. They looked terrible yeah, in that game. Yeah. Ah, yeah. You know, you get out of it, no ground gained or lost, and you move on, I hope. Yeah, I think Tony Bennett uh, really has some work to do with the Virginia Cavaliers. <laughs> I overall think that that was a pretty disappointing week for the Cavs. That was a Knicks game that they could have and should have won. No reason to lose to Oklahoma City against a team that's been playing better of late. So I'm glad to see them just destroy the Clippers tonight rather than give us a repeat of that game a couple weeks ago ago against the Warriors when nobody good played. Overall, uh, that's a pretty crummy week for the Cavs. Did Mitchell play tonight? He did. Yeah, he, he did. did. Yeah. And and played well. It was actually a really great game. Like they spread the ball around really well. Everybody kind of scored and got into the action. So it, it was a good game. Phil, rumor has it that you are the closest thing to single on From the Land and that you love to score. Is that true? So I, I'm the closest thing to single and I love to score? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, true on both counts. 
Why do you think the Cavs struggle to score and seal the deal late in games? Man, I, you know what? I, I don't know. This week, anyway, they struggled in the second half twice at least where they've amounted like 40 points total. I saw a little bit in the Knicks game of Donovan Mitchell reverting into like, I am the only one that can score kind of hero ball, iso ball. And that that's not the Cavs. That's not what we've seen all year. That's not what Donovan Mitchell has brought to this team all year. It was his first game back. Maybe he was trying to, you know, I don't know what he was trying to do in New York, but it didn't work. And then uh, what was the other game? It was the Oklahoma City game. I think Darius Oklahoma Garland City had game, like yeah. all of our second half points. That was it. That was the list. I think we got outscored 60-something to 40-something, and half of the points from were from Darius Garland. So I don't know if they're just not – like you said, Gerbs, it's the dog days of the NBA season, and there's times where they just look kind of stagnant, and this team is predicated on on their athleticism and their – their ability to just hustle up and down the floor all game. If you're looking at that Thunder game's a, a good example because that last push lineup was Garland and Lavert and Allen Mobley Stevens. So with Garland have nobody to kick out to, and everybody kind of collapsing on him, that's why it's kind of tough to score in the fourth quarter when when Mitchell's not on the court as well. So kind of like Jekyll and Heidi, either they play lockdown D and win a game, or they can't score, they can't shoot well. And and it was kind of a little bit of both this week. So I don't know what the overall issue is, but when you have uh, Stevens on the floor in your last lineup trying to win a game, I don't know if that's really going to help you. I used to have a basketball coach tell me that you should rest on offense because you're playing defense so hard. That's when you take your break. I wonder if we burn ourselves out by being a defensive first team and we're in the middle of the season our bench has not been very deep in scoring points if we've had injuries to make to most of our major players and we're just sort of in this lull of when they're tired from having actually played defense for the first half of the season which most nba teams don't and a lack of depth to be able to support that amount of effort over a long period of time that hopefully will correct itself if we are able to get these guys some breaks and some of these might be scheduled losses where they're looking at the long term going Look, we're not going to be able to play four quarters of defense, which is the way we're going to win all season long for every game and then be able to do it in the playoffs. Maybe we, there's a gap in here in the middle where we're going to build in more time for folks to get caught up. Maybe that's what some of the injuries are leading to. Who knows? But I, I think that it just sort of the style of which they play could lead to that to that exhaustion here in the middle of the season and they probably just need to catch their breath i can't believe you're the same guy who answered one question about the wrong cavaliers team and then and then (laughs) gave us that answer my gosh i i think i agree a little bit with all of you i mean i i think watching the games as it's unfolding and by that thunder game you could almost predict that with about six and a half minutes left the Cavs are going to go ice cold and not score any points and we're going to lose that game and that's exactly what happened. And I think it is the fact that they get, they start to iso ball. They stop moving on offense. And it's just Garland trying to dribble and break somebody down or Lavert trying to dribble and break somebody down. And everything that led to their good offense in the first half is gone. All the movement, all the passing, that drives me nuts. I don't know, man. It doesn't seem to me that the Knicks game or the Thunder game were scheduled losses where we knew like, hey, we're going to have people sitting and we're we're not going to be able to win these games. Those those seem like ones that they wanted to win and they and they just didn't and it's gotten a little bit frustrating over the last month or so that it feels like this happens a lot where they just can't get the offense together at the end of the game and they lose games that they should win. And it's you know that yeast is still pretty tight man and eventually we've got to start being able to win games that are the second night of a back-to-back or a game where Donovan Mitchell's not out there. 
at some point they got to start winning those games or else you start to worry about what they're what they're going to be like in the playoffs. I don't know. Am I full of shit? In, in general or about the Cavs? About the Cavs. <laughs> about, about, about this. I think I'm pretty negative on the last week of basketball for them. Like I didn't like much of, of what I saw. Yeah, you're not full of shit regarding the Cavs over, over the last week. I, we laid this out there last week. The, the teams they had lined up, even though the Cavs were banged up and kind of scuffling a bit, like these are the teams you should win. You should go three and one in that week, right? If you're if you're a top four team in the East, and maybe we're not, maybe we're not. I, I hope we are. It seems like we can get there. But if you're a top four team in the East, you go three and one in these four games. I'm not going to lose my shit over going two and two. And I'm glad to see Mitchell back. I thought after that Knicks game, the way he played, he was done for another two weeks, you know, the way, the way he went down, but they got to start. You're right. They got to start winning these games against teams like Oklahoma city, like the New York Knicks. Those, those are teams you should be better than. I just don't think they have figured out who should have the ball when there there's enough people on there, especially in the starting lineup and a couple folks on the bench that they should have a pretty solid plan of who gets the ball in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter. Like the fact that they're not feeding mobile intently every first quarter seems a bit ridiculous because that seems to be a way in which they could break down and get people tired. And then they start shooting it out from the three line, have Garland take over in the second. He saved the third or fourth for um, the guy. What's his name? Mitchell. Mitchell. Saved third or fourth for Mitchell yep. to take the over. Guy. when it, He yeah. is the guy. But, you know, it, it seems like um, there should be a little bit more of a plan of action. It seems like we let teams dictate how we're going to play them versus the other way around. Because we have a unique lineup that should enable us to put most teams in some sort of matchup challenge. And, yes, we've got two smaller guards, but we also got, you know, two three, uh, two seven-footers and a bunch of seven, six, eleven guys that we should be able to come up with some sort of unique matchup for almost every team. Um, and it seems a little bit more like they're playing prevent defense than than going after teams, at least this past week. Miller's killing it right now. Uh, I don't think you're full of shit at all, Gerb. It's been an up and down two to three weeks here. And some of the stuff that Miller's describing, we kind of talked about last week a little bit with, with maybe JB not coaching the way we'd like to see that team coached at times. Or But but no, they're, they're not playing great basketball. And when they do, it's fun to watch. And, and, and when you see them break down in the fourth quarter, that's usually when you're seeing them handing away games. So I don't think you're full of shit at all. I think you're on something. Miller, everyone knows you won your wife one for wife two trade. The NBA trade deadline is February 9th. Does last week make it more or less likely that the Cavs are going to make a move? I think it's less likely that they're going to make a move at the deadline because I don't think they have a lot of resources at their disposal to make a decent move uh, other than Karis Levert. And I'm not exactly sure what we'd get in return for him. So unless they try to do some sort of expiring contract thing, I, I think we're kind of, I think we kind of have the team we're going to have. I doubt we're going to get a decent piece for like three second round picks or something like that, which we might have left over. I don't think we can trade a first. I, I can't, uh, someone correct me if I'm wrong. But I think oh. we've traded so many. I don't think we can for like another year. So yeah, we're sort of stuck where we are, which is um, you know based on my trade is not where you want to be. You want to be able to upgrade. I think they're more likely. I've, I've been talking about them making one or two moves here, and the fact that they don't have first, all, all you needs a, a a third. You need another franchise to come in who has first, and then you somehow wheel and deal, and, and the first goes somewhere, and the Cavs get maybe a a small forward or a D and three guys. Uh, I think they have to 
make at least one or two moves here to to bolster that roster because you're seeing there's some holes there, especially when it comes to to kind of guarding the three point line. But yeah, I think they're they're more than likely to make moves because this isn't the roster that's going to get them uh, in, in a top four for this conference. I think the Cavs will make moves. I don't know. I, I go back and forth as to whether or not the roster. Like what, what is out there? We Our hole is our, our small forward. And is there a small forward out there that's going to give us more than what we give up? And I'm assuming we give up a Karis Levert, a Kevin Love, if someone takes on those contracts. So I don't know. If that guy's out there and he can be had, the NBA, Chuck's right too. Like the NBA trade dance is crazy. You get a third team involved and all of a sudden there's all sorts of moving pieces. It seems like the teams with winning records win these things at the trade deadline, right? Like they they find a way to move the pieces around so it benefits them to get that one player and you're just giving up expiring contracts. Like to Miller's point, we don't have any draft capital, but we do have those two expiring contracts, right? Love and Levert, I think yep. are the two that might be something another team looks at. Like, all right, we'll take on this guy for the rest of this year. We're out of it anyway, and we'll give you our our small forward that is a three and D guy or a or a, or a sharpshooter or whatever it is. Uh, we'll see. I, I think we need that guy if he's out there to be had. I wonder if we're still at a spot where. Lavert and Okoro are are just playing well enough that they decide to not make a move, or they're just showing enough that they decide not to to do something. Somebody posted on Twitter this afternoon that Coro is shooting fifty percent from three since January first. Now, if you can get that guy knocking down four threes a game and doing what he does defensively and and rebounding. Boy, there's your answer at small forward, right? I mean, do are we looking for that much more? I just tend to think that they're I think they're less likely to make a move as we get a little bit closer because I think they like the guys they have and, and they still see some potential there. And I would say Isaac Okoro is not the same guy he was 50 games ago. And what guy is he going to be in another 30 games when it's time to go to the playoffs? That guy just had a little bit more confidence, man. Um, he might be the answer without having to make another move. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know that I think they're making that move, though. All right. Now, rumor has it that all of you guys played football in like the junior high years of your life. Phil, what position did you play? I played center uh, for a couple of years. I'm like Manu Manu the Slender here. <laughs> uh, I, I played center because I think I, I, I could snap the ball to the quarterback. <laughs> I played defensive end. I played a little bit of linebacker and tight end. I played tight end and uh, outside linebacker. I was a tight end and a defensive end. Speaking of football, this was championship Sunday in the NFL. The NFC championship was the first one up this afternoon. 49ers went to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. The 49ers lost their starting quarterback, linebacker, and Bosa. Eagles got a big play that they should not have, and all of that happened in the first quarter. Then their backup quarterback got hurt. Eagles go on to win 31 to 7. Are the Eagles better than the 49ers or did the 49ers just get ridiculously snake bit today? I think the Eagles are better than the 49ers at full strength even if you have Garoppolo or Trey Lance or whoever else, but man, that's a it's a shitty way to go into the NFC Championship first game. Uh, first quarter, I mean, and and lose all of that. And, and you're basically down to a guy who was on the Browns roster, apparently, uh, that Josh yeah. or whatever that guy. Uh, and your your emergency quarterback's your fullback. I would have hoped to have seen that. 
Uh, I I would also have hoped they would have maybe moved to a wildcat like Josh Cribbs was back there earlier in the game with Debo Samuel because that might have helped them. But I still think hands down the Eagles have a better team than the Niners. Yeah, the Eagles are better than the 49ers top to bottom. I think in a, a game where the all that doesn't happen to San Francisco, the Eagles win, but by a score, uh, not 31 to seven. So it was it reminded me a bit of, of you know, we've seen playoff games like that in the past where, well, the Brown Steelers game where all of a sudden like everything that could go wrong went wrong for the Steelers and the Browns were up by three scores before anyone blinked right and that that's hard to to overcome we saw it in a Super Bowl when the first snap went over Manning's head and you know all that shit right so you just can't come back from that that tide of bad luck so to speak but at the end of the day the better team won that game I'm pretty sure if the 49ers were playing any other NFC team other than the Eagles today it probably would have been competitive even with everything that happened I mean, they had a third string quarterback already and made it to the NFC championship game. It's not like there isn't a system in place that sort of uh, enables a limited quarterback to succeed. And yes, they had even more limited quarterbacks, but they had already had a precipitous drop off from one, two to three. And now they're at four. I think they probably compete with anybody in the Eagles, meaning that the Eagles were just better than anybody else in the NFC this year. And that showed up today. It was seven to seven with about a minute and a half to go in the first half. After all of this shit had happened to the 49ers, it was still a game. It came apart pretty quickly. The Eagles scored a touchdown, and then the fifth-string quarterback for the 49ers dropped a snap that turned into a fumble, and they scored another touchdown, and then they were off to the races, and it was over. But even through all that stuff, through most of the first half, the Niners were in that game. I think you're probably right. The Eagles are a better team. I just wish that we had seen the actual NFC championship game that we had hoped to see um, because it didn't feel like we got that when everything went so badly for the Niners to start. But there you go. Eagles in the Super Bowl again. Moving on to the AFC championship game, Bengals went into Arrowhead to face the Chiefs in what ended up being, I think, the best game of the playoffs so far. Chiefs kick a field goal in the closing seconds to win 23-20. to Did we just watch the two best teams in the NFL play? I don't, I don't know, because I, I think the Eagles have been consistently one of the best teams all year. So I, I think between today and the Super Bowl, we saw the three best teams play. I don't think we did. I, I think I think the Eagles are better than either one of these AFC teams. Both of these teams, the Bengals and the and the Chiefs, you, you know, they're never out of any game. And if they can keep the other team close by by giving up field goals instead of touchdowns, their offense can score quickly um because of their quarterback play. But I don't know. They just don't seem that complete a team to me relative to the Eagles. Everybody's kind of in the same spot here. You know, the Eagles are arguably the best team in the NFL the entire season. Uh, and the Bengals are playing really great football and the Chiefs constantly play really great football. So uh, I don't know if that was the best two teams, but they were probably the hottest two teams, at least in, in the AFC. I still think the Eagles, they didn't have an easy schedule to get there. You know, they're in a division where three teams made the playoffs. So I I still think they're probably above each of those teams, the Chiefs and the Bengals, when it comes to who's the best. Tough to say, but I, I give an edge in, in some respects to the Bengals and the Chiefs because of the experience at quarterback. I mean, those guys today, Joe Burrow and, and Pat Mahomes, were, were crazy today, both taking a lot of hits from the defenses and both still making like all the throws they needed to make to – to keep that game close and to eventually win it for Kansas city and Jalen hurts is awesome, but you know, he still hasn't been there 
the way that these two guys have. If it's a quarterback league, and we know that it is, I feel like we saw at least maybe the best two quarterbacks today, and uh, Jalen Hurts has got some work to do to get into to that group. So, fellas, as we close out the red carpet, what's the biggest challenge in choosing winners for tonight's Golden Towers? Having no idea what you're going to ask us <laughs> to compare. <laughs> I love this show. They're all losers in my book. <laughs> Chuck. It's anything like the Oscars now where like 11 films are nominated for best movie. If you have like a category with 11 clips, that would be the hardest thing. Well, moving on, fellas, we're going to take our break here for some commercials. Come back and we're going to start the Golden Towers for 2022. Welcome back, fellas, and welcome to the second annual Golden Towers Award Show. Let's give out some awards, some Golden Towers, to the best and the brightest from 2022. And we will start with the kid, 2022, the Golden Tower for the best young rising star athlete in Cleveland. First one, Stephen Kwan. Hit 298 with 168 hits, 62 walks, and only 60 strikeouts. He had a 9.86 fielding percentage as well, playing left field for the Guardians. Next one, the Cavs, Evan Mobley. Part of his first two seasons, averaging 15 points, 8.5 rebounds, an absolute force on defense, and flashes of brilliance in his play. Moving on to the Browns, Donovan Peoples-Jones. 61 catches, 839 yards, and three touchdowns in his third season with the Browns. Back to the Guardians, Andres Jimenez hit 297, 17 home runs, 69 RBIs. Honorable mention, Raul Neto, actually pronounced Howell Neto. I learned that this week. Averaging his age in points. He's 30. He's averaging 3.0 <laughs> points per game for the Cavs. Who is... Are you giving a golden tower for, for the best young rising athlete in Cleveland? How does Howl at the Moon Neto even qualify as young and <laughs> rising? Yeah. I love it. Because He's, we're uh, 46. That's yeah, well, <laughs> relatively <laughs> speaking, yeah. right? We were driving before he was even crapping out of a diaper. Man, that is a that is a good list for our guardians and our cavaliers for sure. I, I'm gonna give it to Jimenez, I think. That that guy. We we got in that trade, and he was supposed to be the next starting shortstop, and I think he's becoming one of the best second basemen in all of baseball, both offensively and defensively. I'm going to veer from the list. I'm going to add Oscar Gonzalez, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I was at that game where he hit that line blooper right up the middle and seeing the entire stadium singing the SpongeBob SquarePants song <laughs> for 15 minutes, including on the RTA home is one of my favorite sports memories ever. That whole place went crazy. I was jumping up high, and that's a small bar. I, I, I get yeah, it. Yeah. I How fell are we talking, the, Miller? <laughs> I fell into the next row. I was going, just moving around. So that the entire place exploded. That was that was an amazing moment. And the fact he also hit the home run to beat Tampa Bay in the previous playoff series were two sort of star-making moments. Quan is the right answer, but Gonzalez is the answer that I'm going to go with just based on those experiences. Would your answer be any different if I told you we're going to get to Gonzalez later? <laughs> no, I'm going to PM anyways. He's, getting he's living down. in the now. He's living yeah. in the now. 
Quan is the right answer, um, mostly because I had to listen to Phil and you drone on about outfield play and that kind of stuff and leadoffs. But mostly, no. Uh, a guy who nobody, like at least on this show, expected to lock down that leadoff spot and have an unbelievably great year and now be your leadoff hitter of the future. Uh, I'm giving it to that guy because I didn't expect him to be on this roster uh, until we he went. What what did he start the season off at? Like, wasn't he like 14 for 15 or some bullshit that was crazy? It's Stephen Kwan. I think what he started the year with was that he he didn't take a strike for like the first like six games of the year or something ridiculous like that. He didn't some weird swing thing like miss. that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Some, some stat like that. Like... But I'm going with Stephen Kwan too. I think he really helped solidify that outfield. He saved us in the leadoff spot because Straw had such a struggle this year uh, and had just a bad year at the plate. Uh, and they really, really needed that. So I'm giving it to Stephen Kwan and because Miller abstained, that's a majority for Stephen Kwan. So he gets the kid 2022 Golden Tower for the best young rising star athlete in Cleveland. Who gets the peace, love, dope, now get the hell out of here, Golden Tower for athlete you were most happy to see retire in 2022? <laughs> ben Roethlisberger, 26-2-1 against the Browns in his career. He also won two Super Bowls. Tom Brady. He retired for six weeks. If you remember, maybe he should have stayed retired longer. Coach K went out a loser in the tournament, and hopefully that's all anyone will remember. Rob Gronkowski, four-time Super Bowl champ, now freed up to have uh, additional opportunities to make USAA commercials. Honorable mention, Miguel Cabrera hit 312 for his career against the Indians and the Guardians, but oh, wait. He's still playing. So, <laughs> peace, love, dope. Now get the hell out of here. Golden Tower. Roethlisberger, it's the only answer. Uh, Miguel Cabrera being the second closest potential pick because those are the only two that are personal. It's Roethlisberger because it is personal. Isn't he still the most winningest quarterback in our stadium's history, or did that did that change this year? We might die and he might uh, still it's him. that record. Yeah, yeah true. Yep. I don't think um, Jacoby Brissett broke that record. <laughs> no, four wins. No. Uh, yeah, there's only one answer, and it's Stephen Kwan. Apparently, uh, no, it's Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger. It's uh, that. Yeah, get the hell out of here. Thank God. All right, unanimous Golden Tower, our first of the night. All of us vote for Big Ben. Congratulations. Really glad you don't play anymore. All right, moving on to our C O Y Golden Tower. The cut of the year in the sports world. <laughs> wow. Better than Dick of the Trip. Yeah. What? Inspired Is it the same by. list from the last. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> also, Roethlisberger. First one, live golf. Challenging the PGA with a new golf league funded from, I don't know, questionable sources. Next one, five-time world chess champion Magnus Carlsen. Carlson was upset in a chess match by Hans Niemann. Observers alleged cheating. Chat rooms buzzed about vibrating devices. Neiman offered to play nude. Chess.com banned Neiman. <laughs> Carlson resigned from a match after only one move. Neiman filed a $100 million defamation suit. Chess. Next one, Redskins owner Daniel Snyder over oversaw a workplace in Washington that was described as unprofessional and unacceptable in numerous respects, bullying, widespread disrespect towards colleagues, use of demeaning language, public embarrassment, and harassment. 
Next one for 28 consecutive years, OJ. Last one, honorable mention, little baby Charlie Rambaldo for pushing our recording time back an hour every Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Bullshit, man. I can't vote for Charlie because she's really cute at this point. Uh, I'm going to vote for that who plays chess. I had no idea it was that salacious in that community and Man, if if most guys played chess naked, maybe maybe I'd watch more often. I, I don't know, but that dude's a that's a weird thing to say. All right. Yeah, yeah, it came out of my mouth, I thought, but I just kept going with it. Yeah, sometimes that's the best to do in the golden towers. Just let it let it <laughs> let it flow. Let it, all out. let it flow. <laughs> I I agree. Like certainly Charlie is off the list because that's just awful. Uh, but I guess in the immortal words that no one really hears on the podcast of Jason Gerber, they're all cunts. They're all cunts. Uh, but the chess guy, what a million, a million dollar defamation suit, hundred million, hundred million dollar defamation. Oh, suit. yeah. Then, yeah, the chess. He, he's the cunt of the year. A hundred million. Does chess have a hundred million dollars worth of sponsorship? I can't imagine that's the case. I'm not sure what the basis of that lawsuit is. Magnus Ver Magnuson playing chess is the cunt of the year. Isn't that the name of like the world's strongest man? Yeah, is he like now the name doing of, like chess? eight of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. a now bunch of those strongest chess. men guys were named yeah. Magnus, which is why he's so comfortable doing it in the nude in the first place. Like that's the his preferred work attire. Oh, <laughs> it was Hans, Hans and Franz, Magnus and for Magnus. Franz and Magnus. All these, all these muscle heads are playing chess. Gerber, what was the first choice? Live golf. Yeah, I'm going to go with live golf. I don't follow golf all that closely, but it really does seem like sort of a black ops money sort of let's see if we can buy talent and make this sort of weird for everybody. Although, however, it was highly entertaining. So I don't fault him for that. The drama behind that is the most entertaining thing I have had affiliated with golf since uh, Tiger Woods' ex-wife beat his uh, windshield at the golf club. Oh, boy. Yeah. I think I'm going with the chess guy, too. That's just kind of a crazy story. You just don't expect ever to hear about chess. And it's weird to me that chess is considered a sport. Like it used to be in Sports Illustrated and stuff like that. (laughs) Sport guy. Congratulations, Magnus Carlson. You are our COI Golden Tower winner for this year. All right. So let's move on to the 2022 champion of champions Golden Tower. The best winner of the year. The L.A. Rams won the Super Bowl. Golden State won the NBA title. The Colorado Avalanche won the NHL title. Astros won the World Series. Argentina won the World Cup. Honorable mention, Ohio Northern Polar Bears won their second consecutive Ohio Athletic Conference softball championship. So, who is the 2022 champion of champions? That was hard for me as you were going through that list to differentiate between that and the category so i was thinking um, yeah, the same thing. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was we all had the same joke yeah, lined up. that was rough uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna give my vote to the polar bears hell yeah ohio north polar bears softball champs away cac i'm gonna go with argentina because i know it meant a lot to the country and you know uh, people watch that stuff the rest of them honestly could care less. I didn't could care less about that either, but at least it's not somebody I'm, I'm violently angry against. So um, let's go with Argentina. Jack, you're going with Golden State? No. 
<laughs> almost I, I hate almost every team you list, even Ohio Northern being an OAC athlete when I was in college. So I'm I'm gonna give it to the Colorado Avalanche, young dynamic hockey team. Kind of just ran away with it last year in the NHL. But yeah, those are all awful choices. I thought about the Rams, but then I was like, no, they moved to Los Angeles and so their jerseys look like shit. So fuck them. Uh I'm gonna go with the Avalanche. W- weren't the Cleveland Lumberjacks the original uh, like originally the Triple A team or whatever for the lumber for the Avalanche when probably yeah before years the Blue ago. Jackets yeah. started right that yeah, we yeah, were, yeah. Cleveland was yeah, the I minor you're right. city for the Avalanche. All right, hey, good trivia, but you did not sway me, Miller, uh, because I don't care enough about hockey to go with the Avalanche, and I agree with you guys that I hate pretty much everybody else on that list. So I'm going to go with Argentina because that was a big deal. It was like Messi's last run at the World Cup. I was kind of entertained by the World Cup while it was on. So, hey, uh, it looks like with two votes, Argentina wins the 2022 (laughs) Champion of Champions Golden Tower. Congratulations, Messi. He probably thought like, you know, winning the MVP of the World Cup was like the biggest honor he would get last year, but he was wrong. He's getting pissed on by boys from Cleveland. Congrats. Oh, boy, Miller. It's a golden tower. It's, yeah, it's a oh, tower. Sorry. It's nothing it's to do with building. urine. It's I'm a dyslexic. phallic symbol. Phallic I'm symbol. Orally dyslexic. <laughs> All sounds the same to me. All right. Let's take it back to Cleveland. Our Seatown GOAT 2022 Golden Tower. Cleveland's best athlete of the year last year. Start with Miles Garrett for the Browns. He had another great year for that team, especially on uh, a defense that was as poor as that defense was for most of the year. Uh, next one, J-Ram. 266, 36 home runs, 103 RBIs. Next, staying with the Guardians, Emmanuel Classe. 42 saves, 1.36 ERA. Next one, Darius Garland. Uh, he was an all-star in the 2021-2022 season. Still playing well this year as he kind of works his way through some injuries. But overall, average 22 points a game, nine assists per game. And to me, still seems like he's getting better. Honorable mention, Austin Hedges. He only hit 163 last year, but he had that sweet shirtless cigar smoking photo (laughs) on the field after the wild card win. So he's he's my uh, honorable mention. So who is the C-Town GOAT for 2022? Jose Ramirez. No, actually, I'm changing my answer. I'm going Classe. Classe. <laughs> no, Classe's uh, performance was consistent throughout the year. He was lights out and closing out the All-Star game and doing the big pump, which was like a fun thing to see. And yeah, like you got the feeling that other teams were afraid to face him. Really, when they got to our bullpen, that they knew that the game was pretty much over. And, and that was a nice, you know, when we're not scoring a lot of runs, and you're waiting on key hits and getting people on base and slowly moving people over and you're relying on defense, then the strikeout becomes the sizzle to the stake. And Class A was the main chef behind that sizzle. I was leaning towards Miles Garrett, but mostly I wonder how the season would have turned out if he didn't roll his car over. It's amazing that that guy still played like a week later. But I think I'm with I bet Miller. They here. still wouldn't I, have made the playoffs. No, 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 <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, I'm with Miller. I'm a- <laughs> I'm going to go with Classe because more times than not, that guy is unfucking hittable. Uh, and if he continues this, like he's he might be the best reliever in baseball. He's definitely could be the best reliever in this franchise's history. So Classe. I'm going to keep it Guardians. I like the Classe vote, and I think he'll 
win many golden towers down the road. So I'm going to go with J-Ram because that guy signed an extension in the offseason when that just doesn't happen in C-Town. Not, not with that guy, right? That guy was going somewhere else to play the rest of his career. And he signed, he stayed here, and he followed that up with a really good year. And the way he plays the game is just the way we want to see our guards play the game every day. The guy is losing his helmet, sliding head first. He's all over the place. He's he's And he's in the MVP conversation year in and year out. So I, I'm going to give it to J-Ram this year because I think had he not signed that extension, I don't think the guard, I mean, they're full of young talent, but something would be missing on that Guardians team and they wouldn't have been in the playoffs like they were. Yeah, he showed them a pathway that they could actually win. Yep. I'm going with Ramirez as well. And for all the reasons for all the reasons that Phil said, uh, but also I remember the first month, month and a half of the year when that team just could not score runs. And the only guy who was driving in runs was Ramirez. Like he kept that team afloat for the first month or so and allowed those young guys to settle in and allowed them to win enough games that they could be in the running at the end and win that division. So I, I, I give it to J Ram. So we have a tie. Should we text Burke? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we just, it's a tie. We'll just give it to both of them. How's that sound? Congratulations, Jose Ramirez, Emmanuel Colasse. You are together the Seatown GOAT 2022 Golden Tower recipient. Last one in the sports category, the simply the best Golden Tower the best Cleveland sports moment of the year. First one, Donovan Mitchell's 71-point game. Next one, the day the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson. Next one, Oscar Gonzalez's extra inning home run to win the wild card against the Rays. Next one, Oscar Gonzalez's ninth inning hit to win game three against the Yankees. Honorable mention. Chuck Tursick and I winning the Kosar Cup on the yearly <laughs> trip this year. So, simply the best. What was the best Cleveland sports moment of the year? They're all really great. I think I'm going to go with the Gonzalez home run. The entire season for the Guardians was a pleasant surprise for me and rejuvenated my love for watching baseball this year. But that felt like something that would have happened when the, the Guardians then tribe were making that run. Uh, in the mid-90s, that a guy just clutches up and drops a sick bomb to win a series. And it's probably out of all those moments, the one where I jumped up out of my chair or my seat and was beyond excited. So uh, I haven't felt that in a long time with the Guardian slash Indians. That's why I'm going with it. Chuck is on to something. I, I remember when that happened, and I, that's my vote. That is, it's OG's home run to win that series. When that happened, I don't know that 100% of us were awake, but but like 90% of us were awake <laughs> yeah. and the texts that were going back and forth were ridiculous. It, it reminded me of the nineties, except back then we had to like call each other. Um, so <laughs> it, was, uh, it was, it was amazing. It, it was, you couldn't write a better script, right? Like this, this rookie stepping up to the plate in that situation, there is the situation is just too big for that guy, right? It's just too big. And what he did and the way it, that it all transpired was amazing. I, like Chuck, jumped out of my seat and was yelling by myself in my house while that happened. I'm sticking with my original answer of, of the Yankees win just because I was there. And the atmosphere was uh, was a throwback to those 
uh, games in the 90s that we used to go to in high school where Lofton hit a walk-off home run while we were there instead of homecoming or prom or wherever we skipped out of, right? And the whole place goes bananas, except prom. it was packed. Prom. Your prom, and, yeah. Yeah, and that was it was just that sort of feeling, like the entire place was electric. Yeah, that's 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 uh, my that's not even a close second to me because everything else I saw on TV or I heard that was that was live and it was amazing. This is going to be a problem for us. I, I think it's the ninth inning hit in Game Three against the Yankees. The home run against the Rays was like obviously amazing, but they swept that series. You know, it was they, they were winning that series like no matter what, and that's a hell of a way to end it. But the hit in the ninth against the Yankees just seemed so much more improbable to me. That wasn't going to happen against the Yankees. Like it wasn't going to happen again like a week after the home run had happened uh, just because of how amazing it was to happen against the Yankees. Um, like I said, how improbable that hit seemed in that situation. I've got to go with the ninth inning hit, um, which means we have another tie, which is an awfully crappy award show that we're running here. <laughs> we have a tie, still so. going to the same guy though. Yeah. It's still going to the same yeah, guy. So I think it's going it. to Oscar he Gonzalez who gave us our, our top two moments of the year in sports uh, in Cleveland. I'm stunned that nobody picked the Deshaun Watson trade. But, <laughs> all right, fellas, that's going to wrap up the portion of the show where we hand out awards for sports. Let's look back at our show for 2022, hand out some golden towers to ourselves. And we will start with the best scale of the year. Episode 62, we're discussing whether or not MLB players would juice because they weren't being tested during the lockout scale of one to five, one being Ken Griffey jr. From his time on the Springfield nuclear plant softball team, five being Barry bonds on the pirates. How likely is it that MLB players can before the start of the season? <laughs> That's right. Canseco is now a verb. Next one, episode 79 previewing the USFL championship game scale of one to five. One being a documentary about the 1995 NDCL varsity baseball team. Five being The Beauty of Maps, a documentary looking at maps in incredible detail to highlight their artistic attributes. Where is your level of interest in next weekend's Rupus Luab? Now, this is funny because the question just before that was what we thought the USFL championship game should be called. And the options were the sort of bull, <laughs> the quilted northern toilet paper bowl, the bowl bowl, and the rupus lawab, which is Super Bowl backwards. <laughs> How did bowl bowl not win? He still hasn't won. Yeah, it's true. Uh, episode 90 The Guardians swept the twins in a mid September series, scale of one to five, one being Rocky after the first clubber fight, five being Lloyd when he sees Harry leave for his date with Mary Swanson. How badly did the guards crush the souls of the twins this weekend? So those three scales were your nominees for the best scales of the year. Who's your winner? That's hard to remember already. That's a lot of scales. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was no shitty wine in any of that. My favorite, my favorite scale of those three. Steroids in baseball. The USFL championship and the Guardians crushing the souls of the twins. I'm 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 trying to figure out between the Simpsons reference and the steroids in baseball with Griffey and the Rocky reference with the uh, steroids or the uh, steroids. No, the Rocky reference with the beating the twins. I'll I'll go to the 
the Griffey, because there, there's a lot of layers to that. The Griffey, who we don't think was on steroids, but clearly was on some shit in the Simpsons episode. Yeah. Bonds with the Pirates, not on steroids. And then Canseco became a verb. There's a lot going on right there. So I, I guess that's my favorite scale because of the uh, the depth. Yeah, I'm going to go with Phil there. I'm going with the baseball scale. Although I will admit, I thought the verb to Canseco meant to throw your balls off someone's forehead and have it go over a fence. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> oh, I'm, I didn't. I didn't look it up. Maybe that's in the definition. Well, with Canseco being my favorite baseball player of all time, I'm staying away from that scale. And I heard the words Clubber Lang again, uh, and you and and Dumb and Dumber. So that's my favorite scale. When you put Rocky Three up against Dumb and Dumber, I don't know uh, how how you can't pick that one. Well, I'm going with the Rupus Lob just because I think that's hilarious. So. That leaves us with two votes for episode 62 and the scale of the year is the Griffey Jr. with his his use of steroids for his Springfield nuclear power plant softball team. Well, let's hope he gets Conseco tonight. Or, or not. Moving on. Golden Tower for the best unnecessary or inappropriate question. Episode 86, hottest Disney animal characters. That's enough. Oh Just stop the list. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, there's more. <laughs> episode 88 our nfl preview episode i asked who had the worst offseason apology john gruden or deshaun watson that's a good one uh, episode 95 talking about the house of the house of the dragon circe rhaenyra allison marjorie tyrell which queen had your favorite feet <laughs> oh, God. last one episode 98 after a three-game losing streak for the Cavs, scale of one to five, one being the church lady, five being Jenna Jameson. How do you rate the Cavs as finishers this week? So the Golden Tower for the best unnecessary or inappropriate question. In, in being friends with you guys for 20 some plus years, rarely have I ever felt uncomfortable with any discussion that's ever happened, let alone a scale. But when you went to the hottest Disney characters, it felt weird. I still don't feel right talking about it. So that is... Uh, my answer for the most uncomfortable scale that I've ever been a part of. There's no question. It's the Disney characters, who's hotter question. It's animal characters, to be specific. Uh, made it worse. Made <laughs> yeah, it worse. It. Made it worse. Yeah. Goofy's the answer. It was... Uh, <laughs> I. Although Pluto <laughs> talks a lot less. I still don't feel Jesus. right about no. that. Answering those questions. I don't like when we revisit those questions. It just, it's, it, it's not good. That That is the most uncomfortable I've ever felt as a human being. I think we went with the dog from Lady and the Tramp. Was one yeah. Winning I think, for, I think, I think you went with spaghetti. You went with the dog from Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> Where do you fall on the, the most unnecessary or inappropriate question? I love that you're asking me which of these are inappropriate because these are conversations I'd have with my kids at lunch. So we haven't, we haven't begun to birth the inappropriate level nature of a question with, with these topics. I'm on board with all of them. I think it's episode 86. I'll, I'll and the right answer guys. is Jessica Rabbit because she is also an animal. Uh, that, was, that was for the human cartoon characters, but the animal cartoon characters was apparently the disturbing one. Uh, yeah. Okay. Episode 86, hottest Disney animal characters. A list that I found on the internet, remind you, wasn't wasn't my list. Next one, the Gerber Golden Tower. For 2021, this was for the worst prediction of the year that I made. But 
2022 was a historic turnaround for Jason Gerber. So what gets the golden tower for the most surprising correct prediction that I made? I won our group's NCAA pool. I was the only one on the show to correctly predict the Guardians would make the playoffs. I correctly predicted the Browns would have a losing record. I correctly predicted the Bengals would win the AFC North. Honorable mention, Tammy and I won almost all the squares during last year's Super Bowl. There's no skill involved in that at all, but hey, a win's a win. Golden Tower for the most surprising Gerber correct prediction of the year. I think it's the NCAA tournament because not only did you have to predict something correctly, you had to predict multiple things correctly over the course (laughs) of several weeks and out predict the rest of us. I mean, I think that was a worst to first, right? Was that a worst? It was. It was the twins, the Braves and Jason Gerber. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it that because you you had to pick a lot of right answers and you did it. I'm going with the Guardians making the playoffs because nobody in the right mind would have made that prediction. And we're all very happy that you did and that you were correct. But that that was a long shot of long shots that uh, played out for you. Didn't you also say the Cavs were going to make the playoffs? I swear you, you said they were going to make the playoffs. And we were all like, they're going to be terrible. Or was that the year? I don't remember. No, I that think was you're year right. Before. I, I'm pretty sure. You, yeah, it must have been the year you before. You said they would yeah. make the playoffs. Yeah. And yeah. this is coming from the guy who said the Chiefs loss was great for the Browns organization. <laughs> uh, two years in a row. Yeah, two years <laughs> in a row. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Phil here. I think it's the NCAA thing because worst to first isn't an easy feat, uh, and you've been near or around that cat tank for the past couple of years. So that's that's my choice. I think I had the cat tank three years in a row or something like that. But wow. one of them was like the COVID year, so it didn't count. I don't know. Can't win. I'm with you guys. NCAA pool. That's huge, man. Um, I don't I don't think I ever won one of those like in real life when I was gambling in them. Uh, this is probably the only time I've ever won that. So. That gets the Gerber Golden Tower for this year. All right, let's move on to the best outtake of the year, Golden Tower, episode 58. We realize we may have more in common with the Golden Girls than we thought. You're taking out all the Golden Girls. No, they're all all the Golden Girls. The Golden Girls were like 10 years older than us. They're all yes. dead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were in their characters in that show. wearing <laughs> moo moos and they were less than 10 years old. They're like not. 50. They were in a 55 <laughs> and up community and they just moved in. <laughs> Squad goals, man. I'm in. You tell me we can retire in 10 years and I'll move in together. Done. Done. And wear moo moos and wear moo moos. And apparently a limited cheesecake. So that was episode 58's outtake. Episode 62, we learned something new about the Tony Awards. No, he got no, he got his Tony for the Broadway show. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Oh, he's his, he's got yeah. a bunch of Grammys. But but what's he yeah, missing? He An Emmy. He's missing the Emmy. He's missing an Emmy. And, the, and yeah. that's it? That's it. That's it. Well, right. I don't know. I didn't look up. I, I thought that he had won a Tony for his Broadway show. <laughs> um, he won a special Tony Award in 2018. <laughs> A special Tony. It's like a, it's like it's like special a lifetime Tony? achievement award. Special no. Tony sounds like a nickname for someone in the mob. <laughs> <laughs> Go give special Tony. <laughs> Have special oh, Tony geez. do it. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got big pussy and special Tony on this oh, one. <laughs> oh great! <laughs> so that was episode sixty-two. 
episode 73 we were witnesses right now it, the, the the white Sox are winning we're winning eight to two going into right. the ninth inning like that's a eight done four now done deal right so we start this inning with uh jimenez hitting a home run so it's eight to three then bigger beard which is now almost no beard rosario hits a single just a routine single to left field the left fielder comes up, guns it into the cutoff man. It hits the cutoff man in his head and like oh. bounces off into right field. Like the cutoff man had no idea what was going on. And Rosario ends up on okay. third. I don't know. And Rosario ends up on third base. So he's on third. And then the next batter, I forget who was just up, hits a routine dribbler to third base and he he boots the ball. So now it's eight to four. There's no outs and we got another guy on. So we have the tying run coming Ball. to the plate. Who is it? Oh, did go? Naylor. No way. No Home way. run. <laughs> Damn it. Game. Tying game. You got to be fucking kidding me. Somebody should win a fucking cause for that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was episode 73. Josh Naylor hit a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth to tie a game. Episode 93. The show got hijacked. Hey, look Hi, at Tammy. this. Hey, Hi, Tammy. guys. Hi. Welcome home. <laughs> What's happening? Thank you. Yeah, welcome home. It's good to see you. Good to see you. How's the baby? She's good. She's Yeah. She slept a little too much today for my liking, though, which means she's going to be up. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a long day. Oh, man. But other than that, she's been great. She's been good. great. But I'm, I'm going to hijack the show. I'm going to For the rest of it? The... Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah, this yeah, is awesome. Yeah. yeah it's a new it. segment. Uh, it's called... Um, off the runway and so i thought we would um start with <laughs> uh dopamine dressing yeah. and chucky let's start with you uh have you ever heard of dopamine sorry, dressing dopamine dressing dressing dopamine dopamine typically dressing. i stick to either italian or some kind of red <laughs> wine vinaigrette so um, yeah. <laughs> all right last one episode 100 we worked some additional closing lines. Hold on. I have more. I'm out of questions for now. We just did the whole show without mentioning the vasectomy I have scheduled for this week. With that news confirming, you better hurry. If you know someone you want me to impregnate, I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get together and do this real soon. This is like the end credits for grumpy old men. Man-sized manicotti. I'm not done yet. Here we go. And we just did the whole show without mentioning the vasectomy I have scheduled this week. With that news that in a single calendar year, I had surgeries at both ends. I hope you guys have a great week and let's do this again real soon. Uh, is it next craft one. or is it crap? With that news that Miller and I now have more in common than just Denko's ex-wife. I hope you guys have a great week. That's my favorite. Last one. With that news that Iran isn't the only one getting their balls worked over this week. I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get to get into this again real soon. Oh, my face hurts. Yeah. Uh, so there you go, fellas. Those are our nominees for the outtake of the year. There's not really a bad choice in there, but I, I got to. So I'm, I'm debating between two. 
One of them is the live call the nailer thing, just because there's a sheer emotion to it. Um, but the funniest one is the, well, uh, they're all pretty good. I, I, uh, the special Tony was good. Uh, the Golden Girls is is dear to my heart, but I'm going to go with the vasectomy jokes. The Golden Girl one's great because it it scares me to think like those would be the broads we're chasing around in 10 years if we were in that community. <laughs> but it's it's the when you grumpy old men about the vasectomy jokes, like the, the rapid fire back to back. And I can hear myself trying to catch my breath from laughter as I just did again, hearing it back. So that's, that would be my one. There is not a loser in that group. They are all great. And my face hurts again, just listening to them. <laughs> I'm going to give my vote to special Tony though, because I feel like this character needs to get fleshed out, man. Like this guy, <laughs> this, this is every time since that episode, that was a while ago that had to barely make 2022, right? Ever since that character came up in an outtake, just the behind the scenes text messages where special Tony would be <laughs> referred to has really gotten me through some weeks. So I talk about near and dear to my heart. It's special Tony out there doing what the mob needs him to do. I'm going with the nailer call just because I, I think that's my single fondest memory of the show for the entire year. Like that moment of all just, we're all just sitting around on a break, you know, while we're recording and that happens. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, that was so much fun. So with that, we've got one vote for special Tony, one vote for Naylor's home run, and two for jokes about my vasectomy. So the best outtake of the year goes to episode 100, jokes about my vasectomy. Moving on to our last award of the night, best episode of the year. There's a lot here. So listen closely or take notes. Episode 68 was April 4th. During that episode, we discussed last season's Cavs team was continuing to slide and head towards the play-in. Carolina beat Duke in the Elite Eight to end Coach K and get to the Final Four. That's when the Cat Tank uh, was finalized and I clinched my title. We also talked about Home Run Derby X, Winning Time Episode 5, and we had a double shot of all ears. We did Red Hot Chili Peppers, Unlimited Love, and Paul Cawthon's Country Coming Down. So that's all episode 68. Episode 80, July 11th. The Guardians were losing games. We had 13 shades of brown uh, with the Baker Mayfield trade having just been completed. Big Ten announced realignment. USFL season finished with Birkingham winning. The world games started, and off the field, we went running in the cinema and reviewed Top Gun Maverick. So that's all episode 80. Episode 95, October 24th. Recapping the Guardians exiting from the divisional round, uh, the Browns lost to the Ravens. The Great Dane, Yelda Froholt, made his first start for the Browns in that game. Cavs were off to a 2-1 start in their first week of the season. We talked about whether Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers should retire, uh, and we took on a force of nature in all ears, reviewing Taylor Swift's Midnights. I gave it a 3.5 on the bourbon scale and said I would never listen again. That was a lie. <laughs> Episode 98, November 14th. This year's Cavs coming off a three-game losing streak Browns cream by the Dolphins, Colts hire Jeff Saturday, World Cup kicks off, and on all ears, we talk Bruce's new album, 
and new releases by Nas and Zach Bryan. Honorable mention, episode 101, post-vasectomy, when Denko and Chuck hosted the Off the Field segment and we talked holiday movies. Those are your nominees. Episode 68, episode 80, episode 95, episode 98. All of them packed with stuff. What do you think was the best episode of the year? There's a lot to dig through there, man. But probably my favorite episode of the ones you listed uh, leads to the All Ears segment. Uh, and I can't remember anything you said before it was was Springsteen's album because I know how important he is to you. And I knew how important those songs were to me after doing that episode. So there's a little bit of emotion attached to it. Uh, so that's probably my favorite episode of the year because if anybody listens back to that episode, uh, it's about as real as I get uh, when it when it comes to talking about my family and what, what happened with my father. So that's a really special episode for me. I have to choose one with one of the all ears as well because um, while these are all great options, for me, the all ears segment is always the best. What it feels like behind the scenes for the week leading up to the all ears, whether you give us seven days notice or two, the all ears is great because it is just us diving into music and then where the discussion goes, you never know. And I like, was it episode 68 where we reviewed two albums? There was another episode in there where we reviewed three albums. We recently reviewed four albums. <laughs> But the uh, the Springsteen Only the Strong Survive All Ears segment by itself should win a Golden Tower. Uh, it was awesome. It was great music. It was fun to listen to us talk about it. And it got serious and emotional at times, too. So we ran the gamut in that segment. So I'm going to give the Golden Tower to whatever episode that was in. Was that 101? 98. 98. Yeah, 98. episode 98. I'll give my Golden Tower to that one. So I'm going to go with the first one, episode 68, because you talked about Paul Cawthon, who was an artist I had no idea existed, nor probably would have listened to had I known that he existed, and yet sort of found the stuff interesting enough, and then had an opportunity to go see him live with, with you and Bonhard, and then uh, have some pretty interesting and fun moments in Indianapolis that weekend. Um, so including doing a dance-off to cocaine country dancing, to someone who obviously had a lot more personal experience with all phrases of that title. And <laughs> I think I still won, but it was a blast. Uh, so yeah, that that's the one that sticks out. I'm going with episode 80. That's the one with the 13 Shades of Brown with the Baker Mayfield trade. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big story for the city of Cleveland at that point uh, in the summer. And Top Gun Maverick was probably the biggest single pop culture thing that happened last year had to be the biggest movie of the year last year everybody saw that movie and that that's kind of a rare thing where you get like the entire world or at least this entire country turns out for a movie and that was a lot of fun to to cover that one so i'm going with episode 80 which means the winner with two votes is episode 98 for episode of the year springsteen nas and Zach Bryan off the field probably brings that one home. So, fellas, that's it for our award show. We are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that Sazerac Company, maker of Fireball Whiskey, is facing a lawsuit because its 99-cent Fireball mini bottles are made with malt beverage and wine, not whiskey. With that news confirming the winner of the Golden Tower for most unreasonable expectations for a 99-cent bottle of booze, <laughs> I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get together and do this again real soon.
Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I think Tony Bennett uh, really has some work to do with the Virginia Cavaliers. They, uh, you know, should be should be top five. They've been struggling a little bit, and uh, that's uh, that's my take. At least that's what I got that from uh, BetStamp.com. <laughs> okay, thanks, Miller. They they also give us 110 odds. This show's gonna suck. Why do you think the Cavs struggle to? <sighs> Miller, am I full of shit? No, you're full of Metamucil, man. It's flowing like uh, flowing like love. I don't know if that makes sense, but it doesn't. Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> they can't all be gems. Um, <laughs> no, I. Yes, data for anything in this thing. What's that? Data, the Goonies. Is he up for anything? It's amazing that that guy won something in, in real life, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. But yeah. is he getting a golden oh, tower? Is that the dude in? Everything, everywhere, whatever that movie is. Yeah, he's yeah. also short, short round from uh, short round. From yeah, Tem- from yeah, Temple of uh, Doom. Temple of yeah, Doom. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, no, he's not. Saved us in the leadoff spot because um, the fuck is his name? I already forgot it. Miles Who's the center fielder? Miles Straw. Yeah. Like that's assumed, right? Like I assumed everything sold at get go was malt liquor. Yeah, exactly. Like right? this, this was this caught them by by surprise because the branding was similar. No, I, I mean, think it's Fireball, but it's just in like a little yeah. bottle. But they do. Yeah. They there is some like reading the article. There was some little difference in like the title. Yeah. Um, like one is like fireball whiskey and the other one is like fireball juice or something. I don't know. Juice. <laughs> if, you, if you're not buying it from the state liquor agency, it's not state liquor, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's right next to the Skittles at the checkout counter. It is. It's weird. It's in like a little yeah. fish bowl here. Yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. buy a bucket yeah, we have of like 75 of them too. Yeah. yeah. The party bucket. The party bucket, man. That's yeah. not, mm-hmm. not getting the good stuff. That's not... Jack is Daniels there a worse fake back. whiskey than Fireball? Or oh. is there a oh. better use of the Fireball flavor than just putting it on malt liquor? <laughs> let's be honest, it's the it's the cinnamon that carries the day. Yeah, <laughs> it's Whoa. not the fine whiskey no, underneath. No, <laughs> still. Like I, I had a I had a cinnamon. couple of other options for uh, for that one that I was working through, and one of them was like the Golden Tower for the best reinvention of malt liquor goes to the Sazerac company. (laughs) Oh, hey, it's a great idea. Did you see special Tony being played by the... Yeah, this is like his first. Oh, yeah. I think oh, that's where Special part. Tony went off the tracks the first time we did. Yeah, it too. yeah. 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 here we are Special here Tony is yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I present a Cavs trade scenario here that I don't believe should happen, but sure, yeah. could solve a ton of issues? What if they traded Garland? Oh, I fuck you. Well, what I would say I agree with it. Like who? Yeah. Who, what are what are we? What are we getting? Starting back? another starting guard. You're probably getting another starting guard. You're probably getting the small forward you want. 
you're probably getting some draft capital and maybe a rotation bench player who can contribute. I'm not saying I'm for it. I'm just saying if you're looking for a piece that can solve a lot of issues. Yeah, it depends I, on what kind I, of, I, I, mean, I think I, mean, I would I would trade like a guard Allen before I trade Garland. But you love Allen. I do, but Garland is a I think Garland's a superstar. I think that guy is going to be a fucking superstar. Yeah, absolutely is a superstar. Um, I agree. I agree with you. I'm not saying I like I said, I'm not uh, saying I condone the trade. I'm just saying like you could get a guard back who probably averages 17. This is like trading Ron and Harper. And then you get you know who do like we get for Ron a, Harper? Is that Danny, Danny Ferry? The right Danny to, the right the right to, to sign Danny, Danny Ferry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. Well, he did end up in the front office too, right? So he did. his career He got a lot of value well. from Yeah. 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 <laughs> Man, I don't know. I, my You don't fear... think he's better than Ron Harper right now? Garland? I'm just trying to put like an equivalent on the trade. Right. Like you because Harper was a a a guy on the edge of superstardom. I no. think at that time for the Cavs. Um, and he was a Miami of Ohio grad. Um, my, my fear is if you move away from Garland when Mitchell can't play because of injuries or what have you, you're screwed. <laughs> I mean, I, I Garland's Garland's done a really good job of being either the monster scoring guard or a guy yeah. that can go out there and get 12 and 10, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's, I don't know. That's, I, again, I, I'd want to see what we'd get back. Great. Uh, yeah, Giannis, but, yeah. Giannis, we, we get, all right, done. Yeah, probably, exactly. probably can't get him back. <laughs> probably not him. The Fableman, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar. Anybody see Avatar? No. I don't know. I, I, Miles saw it. He said it felt like a middle movie, sort of like the middle, you know, Back to the Future yeah. Two, where you know it doesn't. The ending is like because it's. Right. He's not going to be 70 when the next <laughs> yeah. one comes yeah. out. They're already um, doing like two more, I think. Yeah. Elvis. Anybody watch Elvis? No. Oh, oh, I loved Elvis. It. Was it good? I liked I Elvis a lot. It. Yeah. That's on Bar? HBO too, I think. Yeah, it is. Or is it Netflix? Yeah. No, it's HBO. 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 Tar. The one with Kate Blanchett yeah. as a uh, conductor. Those are the, those are the best pictures. Hmm. Tar is directed by Todd Field, who did some really interesting films and in, like, earlier 2000s and then just just dis i mean he became like a film photographer so he made it he made a couple million and just left um he was up for did you see little children the one based on the book that had uh the kid from jackie from um bad news bears in it played the child mm-hmm. molester oh that was a good movie this is the worst description i've ever <laughs> yeah, heard man. as far as a cell <laughs> there's this kid this one he's yeah, a child I, molester yeah boy, that was a good movie. <laughs> i assume target audience i was hitting you right <laughs> oh man. Uh, so i've only seen top gun this is a yeah. this is a bad showing on my part i'm actually pretty i'm actually pretty impressed that i've seen as many of those as i have you should you would love elvis it is yeah, not like a elvis. typical like biography movie it is it's almost like a like a comic type of caricature of elvis it's i loved it i'll watch it is, again is it fully boz lerman like a fever dream like moulin rouge sort of thing where you... no no it's not quite it's about half that okay um there that. are moments where that happens but it's um that was way better than moulin rouge 
All right, it's after midnight. Yes. Did it again. We did it. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to bed. You guys right, are the right. best. Miller, thanks for coming. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, Great to see you. Yeah. Like that hat. <laughs> All right, boys. All right, guys. All right, guys. Good night. night All right. Love, Love you, guys. Guys. Bye. See you. Peace. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?